0: In today's episode, we have Nick Fitzgerald from Friendly Giant Films, who's going to share with you the importance of storytelling when trying to market and sell your own products. You will also get to hear how he turned his passion of creating videos into a full-time consulting business, why relationships are fundamentally built on stories, and his nine-step framework for crafting your perfect story. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Online Course Igniter podcast, where you'll hear from successful course creators and how they were able to turn their passion into a thriving online business empire. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. We have Nick Fitzgerald, founder of Friendly Giant Films. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How about you? I'm doing good, Nick. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, as you know, I found out about you the other day and learned that you are a great storyteller and that you um, have done all these wonderful things in uh, film industry and documentaries. And I just got into uh, learning about you because I was asking about you know, how can we be better speakers, how can we be better presenters, and how can we tell better stories. And through a bunch of recommendations, I found out uh, about you and what you have to offer. And I was looking through your stuff and I really enjoyed it. And I reached out and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast because I feel like um, storytelling is a very important part of what we do with online marketing. And I just felt like you could help us out. So thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to be here and, and you're totally right. It's how storytelling is a huge part in being able to market and <clears throat> get get the message out there.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I always like to start the podcast off just hearing people's backstories and where they came from. And so if you could just take a couple moments and kind of tell me how how you got into online business, how you got into storytelling and, and what you were doing before uh, what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah, so... Um, it's 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 a fun crazy story that's the the great thing about being an entrepreneur is <laughs> it's never a straight shot right our our paths wind around and we take mm-hmm. unexpected turns and we have challenges come up and so i started my entrepreneurial journey fully in 2015 um and it was funny i was a financial advisor before i started my own business and uh, i actually was fired from, uh, my, my career as a financial advisor, because I didn't meet my sales quota for the year 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's the backstory a little bit. I had, I was in a partnership and it was great. And we were making, I was making more money than I'd ever had in my life at that point. And, Uh, things were good, but two of the partners at the end of 2013 decided they wanted to go on just themselves. And so I had to, myself and one of the other partners had to kind of reboot our financial practice. And so I just didn't, I wasn't able to get it going back to the levels that it was, you know, uh, pre-partnership split. And so um, there I am at almost 35 years old, asking myself what I want to be when I grow up again. (laughs) Right. I've worked in corporate America and I changed jobs and career paths and doing all sorts of different things, just trying to, to make more money and provide for my family. Like I, I'm married, I've got four kids, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to be responsible and (laughs) those things. But finally, after, you know, I got uh, fired from that position, it was just one of those things where We were renting a basement apartment from a family member because we had lost our home. Um, You know, we just, we had burned through all of our savings, all that kind of stuff. There's nowhere to go but up. And for some reason that finally took that mental block off of me um, to finally listen to my inner voice of like, okay, you have hated doing quote unquote, the responsible thing. Um, Do what you want. You know, there's nowhere to go but up from here. So I started, uh, set out uh, to create a video production company. Um, so I started doing that, and I didn't even have a camera of my own. So <laughs> I had to borrow one until I could save up enough money to 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 buy one myself. And so I started, you know, trying to get you know local business clients and just create cool videos for their websites, you know, like the about us type of stuff that like lets people know who they are, what they do, and why they do it, as opposed to um here's our stuff, and this is why we're better than everybody else. And you know, I, I wanted to create stories. Um, and so I started doing that, but I quickly found out that when you're starting out and you don't have a book of business and you don't have a portfolio that, uh, people paying clients are hard to come by. Um, and then when you do find those, they, they they're the types of clients they want something that looks like the revenant, but they have, you know, 200 bucks in order (laughs) to pay you for it. And so it was, it was frustrating. And so I uh, was looking for opportunities on days that I didn't have stuff scheduled. I'd just take my camera out and go shoot video just to get better at my stuff. And I came across a house that was on fire before fire crews got there and got some great footage, turned it into the local news. And uh, I was able to parlay that into a position as a freelance photojournalist for NBC here in Salt Lake City. And so I started telling news stories and I started to get a little more income that was more steady, you know, as I was still trying to build my business. But um, you know, so I was going through that and you know, we were on food stamps and Medicaid and, and those programs, still renting the basement apartment, um, and just uh working my butt off. And, you know, when I'm doing a what the one-man band type of stuff as a photojournalist, you know, I am doing all the camera work, the the sound, the lighting, mm-hmm. the editing on the back end. You rarely go out with the reporter, so you're asking the questions and conducting the interviews and and all these kinds of things and I just wanted to see what's it like to not be a one man band and just specialize in one area of production. So um, I found my way onto a film set through some Facebook groups here in Utah and uh, I started working on feature films and uh, you know, it, in the fall of 2015 and from there I worked on 13 feature films, two TV series that were on network television and uh, tons of commercials, all while shooting news stories as well. And um, so I got, it was so much fun to be able to use my creative abilities to make money. Like I never thought that was possible before, mm-hmm. but now I was actually doing it. The problem was, as I wasn't making very much, you know, on good sets, I was only making 200, maybe 300, $350 a day on a set. If I was, you know, like the best boy electric or in in a, a higher position on set. And so I was working all this time and hanging out with Hollywood producers and actors and directors. I worked with three Oscar winners, a bunch of Emmy winners, you know, these kinds of cool personalities and stuff. And it looked glitzy and glamorous, but I'm working 12 to 16 hour days and only making two or 300 bucks a day on those. So the time exchange of money was just terrible, really, you know, on paper, Ooh, if I made 300 bucks a day for a whole year, that that's not terrible on paper. Right. But, um, The fact that I have four young kids and a wife (laughs) and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things that when I'm home for a day and a half on the weekends, you know, I'd like to be present and do stuff with them. And then, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilling my responsibilities. Plus I wasn't making enough money to get off these programs and stuff or be able to get out of the basement. So I was like, you know what, I've got, something's got to change. I am working my butt off. I'm, I'm really good at my skills and all these things. Why am I not making enough money? And I, I came across, um, it actually came across my path when I found out, you know, we were being audited by the state of Utah to see if we had received too much assistance in the food stamp program. Oh. Um, and I had to get all of the two years of financial statements and tax returns and all, all sorts of stuff for them to go through. And I was just frustrated because the year before I had only made $25,000, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right super frustrated. And I went to Facebook and I vented about it. And I I got, it was um, three years ago this month, actually, or July when we're recording this. It was July, 2017, when I put this post out. And one of my friends saw it who has a successful business. And he reached out to me personally and said, hey, I'm sorry that things are, are... tough right now. And I know it's been a long time since uh, we've spoken. We grew up, we went to elementary school, middle school, high school together. But, you know, outside of little social media interactions, we hadn't had any meaningful conversations. And so he's like, I think I know what your problem is. <clears throat> and if you like help, I'd, I'd love to just like show you what you might be doing wrong and see if there's something that I can do or guide you to to make the shift. And so I was like, sure, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I, I'm coachable. I love uh when somebody is at a level or has expertise or knowledge that I don't that can help me f- further myself, I always go on it, go in on it. Like, you know, I'm I've played high school and college uh division one basketball. I played semi-professionally. So I'm coachable. And so I was like, yes, teach me, <laughs> you know, coach me up. And so um this friend, you know, introduced me to his podcast, sent me a couple of his books. Um if if any of you know who Russell Brunson is in ClickFunnels, he that's that's my friend that I've been talking about. But he's he's <laughs> just uh, he'll <laughs> he'll be he'll be a billionaire in the next few years. I have no doubt about that. But like um he reached out and he just introduced me into a way of thinking that okay, I have these skills, I have these abilities and talents and expertise. Now I need to be able to use them in order to help other people make money with their business. And once I made that shift and started applying the things that I was learning and taking big steps forward and, you know, taking massive action, so to speak, um, things started to turn around for us. You know, it was uh, 2018, April of 2018, I joined a coaching program um, and I dove in and it was amazing. And I put to work the things that i was learning and by december of that same year we had we were able to move out of the basement and into the house that we're in right now and you know my my business went from basically zero dollars to a hundred thousand dollars in those eight months and um so i started to see that by taking my expertise and my knowledge but then um and and putting putting it out there um telling my story that was the thing that really amplified things and it took us to the next level and, of growing my business and being able to provide and meet the, the, the needs of my family as well. You know, it was just uh, really cool to see how taking action and, and doing, but also being vocal and, and publishing and telling my stories and being strategic and intentional in what things I, I talked about um, really magnified, you know, the growth
0: of my, my company. Right, definitely, and uh, what a blessing in disguise getting fired from your job, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm one of those. I'm one of those firm believers that things, uh, you know, happen in order to prepare you for greater things in the future. So, whatever struggles you're going through right now, whatever they may be, whether they're mental, emotional, financial, uh, you know, whatever it might be, um, you can overcome it. It's not fun. It's not. A, it's not <laughs> a, a fun journey, but you're going to be better qualified to serve and help more people going forward at the, uh, at a deeper level than you could have, you know, without it. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, and during those times, they're tough, you know, and you, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and then you look back and you say, wow, like how crazy my life has changed from that moment. You know, yeah. yeah. um, whether, well, whether well, they say you can't have a testimonial without the test. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, cool. So, so you your business started uh, turning around. You you were taking some coaching when when uh, it started going for the better. What what were you doing at that time? Were you teaching, or were you still uh, doing video for people? Like, what what was the actual business model when you started increasing your revenue?
1: Yeah, it was it was a blend I have local clients that I would do video work with um, and things like that where you know I helped film modules for courses and uh, you know little uh, social media videos and things like that for people here locally but then um, where I started to get the growth was I would hop on and do these 90 minute two hour long sessions with people to identify the types of stories and videos they needed to tell for their business and then um, Give them a proposal on if you wanted to work with me on making these into awesome videos for your website. This is what it would cost, right? So I'd have a paid two-hour session where people would pay me two thousand bucks to to hop on and go and identify all of these stories, and then I'd put a proposal saying, "Here's this story. This is the story. Here's here's how the the messages that we need to craft, and here's what it would cost if you wanted me to come out to you." And you know, we spend a few days or a week or however long it is to film it. And then you have these as assets to use in your business, right? So um, I started doing that and the that's where I start. I got my first international client and, and clients around the country being able to do that while still working locally with some video production thing. And the thing that's great about my time in film is now I have a network of amazing technicians who know how to do all the stuff. I know mm-hmm. that I, I do as well, but I can facilitate getting the message identified, and then they can execute, you know, turning it into pretty pictures and stuff. And so as I started doing that, you know, I, I, when I made that shift from getting out of film to focusing again on businesses, I realized a couple of things. Again, I didn't have a network of people or business owners or a community that I could plug myself right into and start getting business. I had to create a name for myself. I had to get my my message out there and attract people to me. And so I started doing Facebook lives every day. And uh, I, I've i done over a thousand now, you know, since 2018, but like just uh, going and sharing stories, seeing, seeing things that I would notice uh, in the world that, you know, compared to entrepreneurship, or then I'd share some tips on video stuff or some storytelling tips and things like that. As I started to do that, I started to attract the right people who then would reach out to me and be like, Hey, I would love to talk to you about my story or about some things for my business. How can we go about doing this? Right. And so that's how, wh- what I started to do in order to start generating the right kind of traffic, the right kind of leads and qualified people coming into my, into my world. Um, but of course it evolved, it, it, you know, you never everything winds around and so I started out doing that but then I started to realize that by doing that if I could get two or three two-hour sessions a day that's great but I can only do that many before Hmm. my brain just turns to complete mush and oatmeal and I'm using, right right? and so I found that there was a a sort of a cap to what I could do Um, and, and only there were only so many people I could fit into a day right. So I started to think about how can I take some of this knowledge and expertise and package it in something that's consumable and gets results and helps people get clarity right now, um, whether, it, you know, some people can't afford 2000 bucks to hop on a, a session or, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and so I wanted to be able to give people results now without having to take all of my time every day doing it. And so um, that's where you know the course the masterclass type of stuff started to become you know an attractive draw for me to be able to give and serve people at a high level but also save me time on the back end right
0: awesome really cool yeah that's that's uh that scalability you know is what you're looking for and having exactly. the course facilitates that and you can still do the the coaching and the consulting on the side too exactly and and
1: that's what i found is that the the front end, so to speak, with the masterclass course focus, is a great way for me to be able to help people that maybe couldn't afford to work with me individually or have me do things for them. You know, because that can that when you're paying for individual expertise, that that the the cost goes up I and mean, stuff like that. So it's a way to be able to nurture my audience up to the the level where they can afford to work with me but then also I can scale that and it can become its own thing down there and then I can not have to spend any time or you know not as much time building and creating content Mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things it's already in place and done and finished and now as I can focus on you know working individually with with entrepreneurs and businesses at the higher levels while other people are having fun and getting results with me as well without it taking my time it's just so fun to be able to to have that freedom um come up, but it's all about getting the right people to it and, you know, getting them to 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 jump on it rather than mm-hmm. spending all your time on sales calls trying to convince or <laughs> get somebody to see the value in jumping in on it. Right.
0: Right. And then, <laughs> you know, thinking about Russell Brunson and, and reading through his books, he talks about the different stages of the value ladder. And you might be pulling in different people at different stages. And so it's nice yeah. to have those those front-end, middle-end, and back-end parts of your funnel set up like that. Mm-hmm. So you started out, it sounded like you were doing some film and video, you said, you know, for the news, and then you got into um, films and documentaries, and then you were doing some consulting, your business is growing. Mm-hmm. At, when I know, because I come from an audio video production background myself, when when you think about video, you think about the the camera and and uh, the rule of thirds and and the pictures. Right. Many times we don't think about the story. You know, it's it's kind yeah. of maybe even a side thought, unless it's like a documentary that's based around the story. Most of the times you know marketers online course creators entrepreneurs we i don't feel like we focus enough about the story so at what point was it for you that you realized that the storytelling was the important part of the formula
1: oh man well so <clears throat> i've always i've always loved connecting with people one of the things that made me successful as a financial advisor is i actually listened to them i heard their stories there's no way that Um, I could get somebody to tell me that they had a million dollars of assets or cash in an old investment fund or an old 401k or or things like that, unless there was trust. And I found that storytelling was a way to build that trust and that connection really quickly. So I saw that, you know, in in my other career paths, how storytelling was, you know, I maybe didn't recognize it specifically as storytelling. I just was able to connect with people. And I've seen that sharing stories, you know, is how you connect. Like I'm married, uh, we are, we'll be celebrating 18 years of marriage at the end of this month um, and stuff like that. And the that relationship, the dating, and if you've ever had any sort of relationship that way, you are sharing your stories and you're finding the common ground within it. And then it builds and propels you forward. Or you make the decision like, oh, this isn't going to work and you move on, right? So I saw I saw that very early in my life how stories were a connector, but it wasn't until, you know, I got into the whole, the Russell Brunson world, so to speak, where I saw, you know, I went to, you know, Russell Brunson has this event every year called Funnel Hacking Live. And the first one I ever went to was in 2018 in Orlando. And I remember sitting there in my chair um, as he gave this uh, proposal or this presentation, called The 12-Month Millionaire is what it was. And it was, I watched him for an hour and a half just telling story after story after story <laughs> about things that he had experienced himself, things that he had seen people that he consulted with or clients had done, um, and then things that he had just witnessed other people in the world do that helped them make money. And I was just like, this is so cool. Um, and he wasn't saying, here's this sales tactic and here's this strategy. It wasn't that at all. It was just story after story layered on another one and it just built and at the end of that presentation he uh proposed a coaching program that at the time it was eighteen thousand dollars for the full year or it was eighteen hundred dollars a month and at the end of that i was so excited because i'm like wow this is exactly what i need but the price was just like such a shock but i turned around and to my amazement there were hundreds of people like at the back of the room buying (laughs) and paying him $18,000. And I, that's when, for me, the light really clicked on with what I needed to focus on nice. with my business, is if I can focus on telling stories that get help people understand the results that they can get and help motivate them, and get emotional responses, engage the thought process, and then get them to take action. Then if I could do that, then I will have success in my business, right? Because I just witnessed it firsthand. And like I found myself at the back of the room paying him eighteen. dollars <laughs> right. to do it as well, right? And so for me, that was like the first experience when I literally saw all of it come together to work, you know, in a, a business type of setting where I could charge or, you know, quote somebody a $20,000 thing and not feel self-conscious or feel icky about it because I could build and show them exactly how it's going to work for them. You mm-hmm. know, And it, that was, that was my first real experience with witnessing. It was truly amazing. And since then, you know, I started to be okay. I'm really good at connecting with people naturally. That's one of my just, you know, natural skill sets or abilities that I've been given. But, um, if I can be more intentional with those things, Still being genuine, still being me, still being specific in in what I'm doing. But when I can, you know, I always talk about beginning with the end in mind when it comes to our storytelling. What do I want the audience to feel, think, and do? What What is that journey I want to bring them on? As I start to craft and share the messages, it's been amazing to see how people... Like make those decisions themselves and come into my world and become clients and and, or buy into the master classes or, or whatever it might be and it's it's just uh, it's been really fun to see how it really comes together in growing, you know, a business or or selling a product.
0: Yeah, it's you know uh, just listening to you talk and thinking about back to uh, actions that I've taken and even getting into Russell's world, you know, the story is so powerful because the person who is listening can put themselves in that person's shoes who's telling the story. So, uh, you know, Russell is such a great storyteller. I can tell you his uh, potato gun story and his wrestling stories and all of that, you know, and, and I'm not a wrestler, but when he tells those stories, I can place myself in that story and relate it to things that are going on in my life. And so, and so I'm so glad to have you on here because I feel like this is a big piece that a lot of people miss and that we can work on. Are you struggling to create your first online course? Do you have an idea for a course topic, but don't know how to get started? It can be hard trying to figure out everything that goes into course creation. How do you outline your course? How do you set up the technology to create the content? How do you publish it so that you can begin helping others and making money immediately? We know it can be difficult for first time course creators. That is why we have designed the Start Your First Course Challenge. Our goal is to help you get that online course published within a couple of weeks. That means that you can get your digital product to market without wasting a bunch of time. We will show you how with the easiest methods possible that we have learned and crafted over the years. You'll learn how to choose a topic, outline your course, script what you want to say, and then record the material. After that, you'll discover how to set up the platform and publish it all with a simple system that's guaranteed to get you results fast. Beat your procrastination by taking action today. Go to StartYourFirstCourse.com now to sign up. That's StartYourFirstCourse.com. See you in the challenge. Let's talk a little bit more about strategies and tactics. You know, this yeah. um, podcast is for online course creators. So this is people who are creating online courses, as you've done yourself, so you know about it. And, uh, you know, people who are trying to market their courses, maybe they're doing, you know, Facebook, social media, YouTube. Um, can you give us some some strategy or some tips on uh, how how we can use a story in this atmosphere to help sell more online courses.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, like there there's there are a few things that like all of us as entrepreneurs, whether you're a course creator or you have a different type of business that we run into when it comes to uh, thinking about telling or using stories for our business. One, we, we just don't think that stories will actually work for us. We may have like, like I witnessed, we may have gone to a seminar or an event or something and somebody pitched something. And we either bought it or we were just floored with how many people that we witnessed run to the back of the room and buy it. And so we might've been like, but yeah, but that, th- that worked for them. It's not going to work for me. Like, you know, we, we have that kind of false belief, so to speak, that we don't think stories will actually work for us because our business is different than Tony Robbins is <laughs> or, you know, that. Kind of stuff. Right. Um, but the, the truth about that is that, You know, stories, like I said, are ways that you build trust and relationships really quickly. It's the way to sell more products and services at even a higher value than you currently are. And then it's the way to multiply wealth. Like, so if you have something that's successful or you have, uh, you know, the money that you're wanting right now or those kinds of things. It will multiply how much you get back, and it's 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 really incredible. So that's the one thing is like storytelling does work because it builds trust, it helps in the sales process, and then it multiplies the success or the wealth that you already have, um, or grows it uh, to a level that you hadn't uh, before thought you would. And then the, the the next one is that you know we don't think. How many of you have been to a party or a networking event? And you've had an opportunity to share a little bit about yourself, but you just it just fell flat, or it's super awkward, right? Like some we don't think that we're good at storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, if you've been through any sort of relationship, if you've been on dates, um, if you've been in a partnership, if you've ever sold anything to anyone, you have told uh, stories and you've done them successfully. Um you know, whether it re- resulted in a uh, a marriage or a breakup or whatever, like you have told the stories that you have told have been successful, and you've told thousands, if not millions of successful stories in your life already. You just haven't had success with it being intentional with your business, possibly You're, there's a disconnect. We can tell stories all day every day to complete strangers at the grocery store or at marketing <laughs> or networking events or things like that. but when it comes to our messaging for our business there's a disconnect. A lot of people are like, "Oh, right. I, I don't know where to start. I don't know <laughs> what, what stories to tell." Like so many people I meet fall into one of two categories. They're like, "I'm really boring and don't have an interesting life. What am I going to talk about?" Or they've had so much experience that they don't know what they should share versus where they shouldn't or, you know, where to start and and all those kinds of things. But I'm telling you that right now in your life, you've told thousands of successful stories in your life. Um, and then the the next thing to think of is that you're comparing yourself to the gurus, right? And that's just not fair. Like I look at Tony Robbins and like guys like Dean Grazios and even Russell Brunson, they're master storytellers. Um, and we see that we go to their things or we hear their webinars or we go to their events and we're just like, we feel like we could run through a brick wall after hearing their messages, We're like we can take on the whole world. And then when we think of ourselves or we try it ourselves, it falls short or it doesn't get the same results but these guys have been they have spent tons of money and time developing and honing these stories they have focus groups and they have consultants and all these different types of people to help them identify or weed through or solidify some of their core stories and then they have years and years and years of repetition of telling the same stories like mm-hmm. if you follow tony robbins for instance he tells the same stories at every event basically <laughs> Mm-hmm. But guess what? You're still on the edge of your seat. You're sucked into them. He still gets emotional during them um, because he's a, he he's coming from a genuine place. It right. affects us. It helps us connect with him and, and all those kinds of things. And that's why people can go and walk on hot coals, you know, at his events of unleash right. the power within and, and and things like that. And so you know, a lot of times we we just don't have the resources that they've had access to. And so, like strategically, I, I if if it's cool with you, Jeremy, like um, I'll go through my just really quickly the nine steps of the framework yeah, that I use that'd for. Be great. Support. So that, like, all of you, whether you're you use these in the modules in the courses that you're creating, or you use it in the the stories and the marketing messages that you tell to get people to your course, like these nine steps will help you totally, you know, get. The clarity on what needs to go into your story, and then you'll start to see how to structure the story and how to tell it in a way that gets an emotional response, like you see these gurus do. Okay, okay. so um, step number one is beginning with the end in mind. Okay, um, that's a, a, a phrase that was kind of popularized by Stephen R. Covey with his book Seven Highly or Seven Habits for Highly Successful Individuals, and um, it's his second step in his, but it's the first in mine. because as entrepreneurs and course creators, uh, you know, content creators, everything that we need to do, everything that we do needs to be intentional. There has to be a purpose behind it. Um, and so when you begin with the end in mind, it's whenever you tell a story, whether it's a Facebook Live or a podcast episode or even a TikTok, something that's that's simple. You can think of it, what do I want the audience to feel, think, and do? What is the result I want as at the end of this video or of the end of this story? And when you engage the feel, the emotions, what emotions can you stir? Um, because one, when people have the, those emotions active, it helps their decision-making process. The emotions actually are the subconscious's way of letting the conscious mind know its decision. So when you can engage those emotions, good things happen and it becomes a connection point to you and to your brand as well. And then thought processes, what do you want them to think? You wanna be engaging and hopefully they're asking questions like, or thinking about, man, this is what my life is like right now. What would life be like after partnering with Jeremy or partnering with Nick or you know whoever it is or, if, or your name in, in that place, right? And that starts them thinking about how, they can prosper and grow with your help and then do what action do you want them to take. If it's buying or opting into your email list or buying your course or you know subscribing to your YouTube channel, whatever it is, that action. And I find that when you begin with the end in mind, then you can reverse engineer and identify the stories and experiences that you have or that you've witnessed to lead the audience to that conclusion. So beginning with the end in mind is the first step because you have, once you have that, then you can start identifying the stories and the experiences that you have um, in order to, you know, get the audience to that, uh, to that
0: end game. Um, yeah. I like that. And I mean, how many times ha- do we hop on a Facebook live because we have a great idea and then you realize halfway through the live, where am I taking people? Yeah, <laughs> <You know?
1: exactly. laughs> yeah. it's, and, and, and You know, there's merit in going live or or publishing for the sake of publishing to get good at it. But when you can throw this intention on the beginning of it, Mm -hmm. uh, you just will uh, uh, condense, uh, consolidate the time frame. Because I know a lot, not a lot of us, a lot of us don't have the the luxury of having a few years to really struggle through and hone our stories because we've got to pay our bills now or, you know, those kinds of things. We don't have that luxury to test something and see what works and and that kind of stuff um, without making a living at the same time. And so this will help you get the results and, and that kind of stuff, but also um, move you along uh, and get just speed up your improvement. So step two um, is steps two through six are all about kind of all about. The, how you structure your story. But step two is that every story has three simple things, and it's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, people chuckle when I bring that up because it's so simple, But every great story does very specific things within those three areas. You know, um, and when you uh, follow that structure and do the do these things, um, you again, invite the audience into your story. They come on the journey, they buy in, and there's a lot of emotional connection that happens uh, as you do this. You look at any movie that you, that you love, like I love st- the Star Wars movies, and you know Back to the Future, and all these things. If you look at the structure and the things that happen within those stories that get us, you know, to totally buy in and follow these characters and cheer when they win or cry when they lose, and, and all these kinds of things, you can have those same results with your stories and what you tell. Um, And I've, I've witnessed this with my own um, stories and things like that, but it's, it's super powerful. But when you can, you know, invite people into the story in the beginning, and then in the middle, you just ramp up um, the story and the conflict and push it forward. And then at the end, you, you resolve the issues and things like that. When you can structure it that way, amazing things happen between you and the audience. So um, like step three, is the the key of the beginning part of your story. It's introduce the conflict early, right? When you can introduce the conflict, every single one of us started a business or has a course or something because there was conflict or a problem in our life or that we saw in the world. And we set out to to fix it or to help people navigate through it or overcome the challenge themselves. So when you introduce the conflict early, One, it just shows that you are not some God or goddess on a hilltop that has a perfect (laughs) life, that you have gone through your own struggles, um, which again, connects the audience to you because they're in the middle of their struggles, right? Or else they wouldn't be looking into your product or service. But then um, it also just hits, gets that emotional buy-in really quickly. It draws that line in the sand, so to speak, and they choose to come along with you or go away. And with Marketing and branding, we, we want to attract the people who we want to work with and repel mm-hmm. the people that we don't. And so this is just the first step in, in kind of drawing that line and getting people to decide with us or go away.
0: Um, so yeah, I, like, I like that one. That one you know, seems real important um, for course creators because we're we're mm-hmm. solving a problem, and that problem is something that we've experienced. So we've had that problem. Exactly. learn how to get through it and now we're helping others with that problem. And so this I like yeah. this one a lot cuz this is it's it's talking to those people who are currently struggling with what you're trying to teach them basically.
1: Exactly. And again it's it, it just makes you relatable, you know. You think of all these stories with the heroes uh in it, you know, Luke Skywalker, right, in Star Wars, he's the hero of Star Wars, but Obi-Wan Kenobi is the wise man who's kind of gone through the things that Luke is about to. So he's there to guide, right? And so it's it's the same kind of thing where you you have that expertise, you have that experience that somebody else doesn't yet have, and you're there to guide them and help them and navigate it. And it's just super powerful to have have that. So um step number four is also, you know, part of the beginning of the story is introducing the key characters. You're not the only person in your story. You have, you know, there might be family members or a spouse or partners or co-workers or former bosses or global pandemics or whatever. <laughs> it might be. There are other characters to your story. You didn't go on your journey alone. And by introducing the key characters, it helps the audience understand that they're not alone in their journey. They're surrounded by amazing people as well but then it also gives other perspectives for the audience to connect to because not everyone is like me or can resonate 100% with me. So as I share my wife's perspective and you know these other types of things and, and how my journey affected these people, then they see themselves in these other characters as well. So it's more connection mm. points to you and it's very nice. powerful, right? Very um, and then uh, coming on to step number five is naming an enemy. You know, we we talked about how all of our stories have conflict. There is a person or an entity or something that brought that conflict to us. It could be a person or a corporation or, uh, you know, a health issue or a global pandemic. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And if as you name the enemy, you know, Star Wars, there's the rebellion and the bad guys are the Empire. Like that, we know who the enemy is. And mm-hmm. as we learn more about them and their motives and how they affected us, or made you know, our, our journeys uh, challenge, then the audience is going to resonate more, you know, every, it's like human nature to root for the underdog. So when they know that you're up against something again, that gives them something to root for on your, on your side and um, gets them emotionally bought in so that they're invested in your success as well. Um, And when they see your success, they celebrate it because now they know that it's possible and they want to uh, experience that themselves. And so naming an enemy is super powerful. And of course, you know, if if the enemy of your story is your ex-spouse or somebody (laughs) that if you named them specifically by name could cause some unnecessary drama or things like that, you don't have to name them specifically by name that way. Like earlier I mentioned my former partners. I didn't mention their names specifically or what they work for. I just mentioned my former partners, right? So you just be, Be wise in how you do it, but when you can name specifically, it's really, really powerful.
0: Yeah, Um, and and it makes me think about what you said about marketing, drawing those people closer to you that are in your shoes or or want to be like you. Because when you name that enemy, it seems like you're drawing that line in the sand. And the people who have experienced that before, (laughs) you know, like, oh, oh, I I can relate to his ex-girlfriend because I had a girlfriend just like that. You know, like it yeah. feels like it would draw them closer to you in that sense.
1: Exactly. And and that's the whole thing. Like we attract the people that we want to work with and repel the people that we don't. If, right. if, you know, if there are people that think we're total idiots or whatever, and we don't, you don't want to spend any time with them because as clients, they are not fun to work with and they end up being a lot more work uh, than they're worth and things like that. So it's a, just another great draw that line in the sand um and and they buy in. So step number 6 is raising the stakes. This is where we transition to the middle of the story. The middle of the story is all about conflict and making it more complex. So, you know, for for me, I mentioned in my story like I started I was fired. So there's the initial or the initial conflict that started me on my journey. Um, And then I started as a freelance photojournalist and then I worked on films and TV commercials and TV shows and and all these all these uh, cool things and then now I work with uh, entrepreneurs and businesses to help them structure their stories like while all of those parts of my stories are true like there there was conflict or there were things that caused me to take the next step in each one of those and we don't have time to go deep into it but your, your journey and where you're at and where you've been, you know, you might have said, okay, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to be able to be able to live out of a backpack. Like Jeremy and I were talking before we rolled <laughs> out, you know, he's got his, his uh, office in a backpack, right? Like there, there are things that happened that got him to make these shifts. There was mm-hmm. the conflict just changed, you know, um, it doesn't always have to stay the same. It can just It just evolves and changes and gets more complex and brings new problems. We find a solution, but now we recognize, oh crap, now I've got to handle this. Mm -hmm. And so when we raise the stakes, again, like you think of movies, you know, where it gets to the point where Marty McFly, if he doesn't hit the, the... the wire right when the lightning hits the clock tower then he's stuck forever in 1955 and doesn't get to go home and his family disappears and all these things right mm-hmm, the conflicts right. didn't start out as that it started with him, you know him like inadvertently driving and traveling back in time in the DeLorean right spoiler alert if you've never seen back to the future <laughs> but, you know it's it's one of those things so throughout that movie and in, in stories, you see that this, the conflict gets more complex. You raise the stakes where it becomes imperative that you succeed in order to, uh, if, or, or else, you, know, you have that do or die type of moment. Then, um, so step number seven after that is being detailed. When you can share the details, sights, smells, emotions, people, um, who you're with, all those kinds of things, that draws the audience in. All these little details that you can share in your story you know, are so powerful. Um, If you remember being, uh, you you think of September 11th, 2001, those that were alive to experience that, everyone knows and remembers exactly where they were, what they were doing, all those kinds of things when all those events happened. And when you share those moments um, with other people, you bring them in and they can understand how it felt and how it impacted you. And it's the same with your stories. You know, don't gloss over things. Like, really dig into it because one it like it just details create new memories or help the the audience tap into their memories and experiences that might similarly mirror what yours are um, but also when you're telling stories like the, the parts of the brain outside of just like the audio and the, the language processing parts, the other areas if, of their brain are working as if they were actually experiencing that. Moment themselves, so the more detailed you can be, the more they're going to connect and yeah. uh, experience it, and it's super powerful.
0: I I, I love this one, and uh, this, this this was a light bulb moment for me. One day, um, I was listening to Stephen Larson talk, and he was doing a video, and he was explaining the same uh, same thing, and he was talking about. He used an analogy of. Uh, you know, I came home from from work and I opened the door and I smelt the mo- the the greatest dinner smell I've ever had and I saw my wife standing and he went on and described the story and then took took back and said, you know, what were you thinking? What door did you see? What smell did you smell? And it it was really powerful because, like you said, it it draws the listener in mm-hmm. and the listener starts starts uh putting themselves in the story and when you do that, you're you're creating that connection, right? Exactly, and 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 when you can get to that point when they
1: feel like they are there with you in those moments, they will be with you for the long haul. This All this right. is the part that will build those connections, those emotional connections between your audience and your brand or yourself or whatever it is that you're building, um, and get them to like be loyal, loving followers that stick with you through thin and thin, that come back again and again, that continue to pay you or buy your products and services. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why Disney is so, um, (laughs) so successful. And there's a reason why they raise the prices of their tickets to Disneyland every year. And some people, people groan about it, but guess what? Still people show up every year and pay $7 for a churro or $14 for a turkey leg or, you know, all this kind of stuff, because, they are drawn in and everything within, you know, Disneyland, for example, all of the littlest details are, are intentional and it, it just creates just loyalty beyond measure.
0: Okay. They, they even put fake smells throughout the park. Exactly. Like I, I've heard that they'll actually like put a popcorn smell, you know, throughout the park or uh, you'll go on a ride and they'll, they'll use smells inside the ride to make you drawn in. You know, I love that. Yeah. And, and,
1: and, you know, while while with our branding messages, we don't do that per se, but again, when we're just, <laughs> it's so powerful for the audience, you know, like um, I've had complete strangers um, come to my webinar for, to come into my masterclass kind of thing, people who had no idea who I were that at the end, they feel connected with me and they like join and they send me a message like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I am so excited. I'm in, you know, I had no idea that this was even out there. Like the details create that kind of a reaction. That's amazing. And then, uh, step eight is be genuine. Okay. When, uh, it's kind of twofold like being genuine is one some people are like i can't cry on camera and uh you know that kind of thing is you you don't have to be emotional you don't have to have a barbara walters special where you cry (laughs) but um don't force yourself to become emotional either because unless you're you know Tom Hanks or something like that you you can't fake that and have it be really believable so don't feel like you have to force things or get yourself to become emotional in order to get your point across but then the other uh, side of that coin is don't fake or embellish or make up aspects of your story that are not true because it's not a question of if it's a question of when it comes out that it's not true or that it didn't happen somebody somehow is as you grow the the truth will come out if you made up a part of your story i think of jay shetty was about a year or so or a year ago um it kind of came out that some of his content wasn't his own but he was kind of he he wasn't 100 percent claiming it was his own original content but he didn't you know accredit some of it to the actual creators of it and and it bit him in the butt and he lost some trust and things like that and when you lose trust because you were caught lying to your audience it is almost impossible to regain. Right. So y- you have to be genuine that way as well with what you share. But then also thinking about if you wanted to add this uh, another side to it is just think about the people that you're wanting to serve, who you can help right now, who are struggling through the same things that you struggled through who are, you know, losing sleep or having stress or having arguments with their their spouse or or loved ones and things like that. Um they're in pain now and they need your help. And as you think of them and how you can help them, your message when it's geared towards that audience and wanting to help them, it comes across so clear and it resonates with them because they know you're not, you know, how many times have you listened to a pitch or you've you've got a new friend on Facebook and then two minutes later you get, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, that kind of thing. And it automatically goes into a pitch without them knowing you, right? That's Mm -hmm, not right. And we can see through that and it rubs us the wrong way. Whereas if it's something where you are coming from a place of truly caring and you want to help and serve and you share your message through that lens, it it connects and people really resonate with it. And so, and then the last step, I know we've gone a little long, so I apologize for that, everybody. But the last step, if you don't do this one, all of the other eight steps before are absolutely useless and you might as well just like have deleted and not listen to any of it, <laughs> but um, it's do don't it do now that. and don't wait. Right. You have to take action. You have to have to start doing it now um, because waiting until I have, well, I'll wait until I have 10,000 followers or, you know, mm. whatever it is like, that the longer you you put those kinds of benchmarks on it you're not going to reach it you're going to keep pushing it off and pushing it off um and and then the flip side of it again talking about what we were saying with the genuine part is that there are people who need you now they're searching for right. you right now they might not know they know they're searching for you specifically by name but by publishing and doing it now and not waiting and putting it out there they're going to hear your voice they're going to recognize it and it's gonna change their life forever. And the longer that you keep you know, telling yourself the lie or being selfish about oh, I, people aren't gonna care or whatever um, the, those things are, the longer you're keeping them in pain. And if you're anything like me, I, I love the people that I serve. The thought of keeping them in pain because I'm being selfish and, and keeping things to myself um, is almost unbearable for me. And it's just a good way to be able to just get out of our own way to stumble through it. But now you have this framework. So you're better qualified than most people that come out of challenges and things ready to take on the world, but have no tools in their toolbox in order to get the message out. You've got this framework now, but when you start doing it now, like you will have the most amazing experiences. Like I go to events, I go to, to things. Well, back when we used to be able to have them, who knows when. (laughs) right? But like I go to these events and I have complete strangers that I did not know existed before this moment come up to me and say, hey, I, I listened to, I watch all of your Facebook lives, or I've totally loved what you did on this, or thank you for sharing your story on this uh, podcast or on this you know summit or whatever it might be. And it was powerful for them and it helped them to take action or to to get clarity or, or whatever it might be. But if I would have, you know, shied away from it, if Jeremy, when he reached out to me to say, "Hey, would you like to hop on and do a little interview?" and I'm like, "Oh, I don't have the audience the size that I want," so no, I'll wait. Right? Like, if we put it off, those people would not get um, get the motivation, the inspiration, the the information, or the you know. Uh, tactical things and able to, to move themselves forward in one way or another. And so that's why you have to be doing it now. Um don't wait another day. Like as soon as you get done with this, write down these nine steps and <laughs> you know start start doing the one and do a Facebook live or something right after just to to get in that habit and start building that habit. And I promise you that it won't be long before you start seeing new people coming into your world, you'll be getting messages saying thank you for this or that. And it will, it will be powerful for you and powerful for the people that, that it goes out to.
0: Yeah. And you know, how awesome was it the other, the other night um, when I learned about you and you told me you had your masterclass, I sent you, or I found out you had a masterclass and I looked at it and I sent you a message and you sent me a video and it was like a short, you know, like four minute video, like how long does it take to shoot a four-minute video? And you said in the video, you're like, I mean, this was six or seven o'clock at night. I don't know what time it was for you, but for me, it was like six or seven at night. And you were like, yeah, I'm about to have dinner uh, with the family and I was about to be done for the day, but I wanted to shoot this video out. And, and you just said, you told me who you were, what you you know had and all this stuff. And th- that was very impactful for me because no one ever takes the time to send a personalized video. Right. I mean, when, if it's Facebook messenger, people will message you every now and then you'll get the person use the audio feature, but no one ever does a video. Now it would have been just as easy for you to be like, it's six o'clock at night. I'm about to have dinner. I'll talk to him later. But you right. took the time, you made the video, you sent it to me, and and it really, it built that relationship. I think I even texted you, I was like, man, I just had a master class in relationship building because I was so <laughs> floored. Then I'm like, why would I not invest into someone like this who has taken the time to care? And, and had you not done it, we might not be having this podcast. So True. that's really awesome. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I had a couple uh, follow-up questions, but let's just make sure that we have all the points here. So uh, number one, start with the end in mind. Number two, make sure you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Number Mm -hmm. three, introduce conflict. Number four, introduce uh, key characters. Number five, name an enemy. Number Mm -hmm. six, raise the stakes. Number seven, be detailed. Number eight, be genuine. And number nine, don't wait, get started now. Is that let that sum it. it up in case anyone wasn't writing it down. Hope you wrote it <laughs> down that time. Yeah, that, that's it. All right, cool. So yeah, that, that sounds like a good strategy. Now, one question that I had is, do you set this framework for every story that you're going to tell? So if if I need to do, um, let's not even say a Facebook Live once a day. Let's just say that I can only do a couple a week or one once a week. Do you recommend yeah. going through this f- framework every time that you sit down to map out what you're going to talk about?
1: I, I absolutely do. Every time I, I sit down before I'm going to do a live or, or things like that, I always do the whole begin with the end of mind, feel, think, and do like every single time. Now, you know, you might, depending on what it is you're messaging or trying to sell or what what action you're wanting them to take, you might not have a huge like emotional, Type of story, but I'm telling you, like this framework of structuring conflict, characters, enemies, uh, raising the stakes—you know, those kinds of things. Everything within the story. If you want, if you want to do more than just regurgitate or spit out data or information, if you want your audience to connect, if you want uh, them to to understand you and build a relationship, this framework is magic at doing that. Um, I've had people that have come into the masterclass and within the first module, they go and they try, they just put the feel, think and do begin with the end in mind part part to work and they get immediate results. Right. And so um, when you do this, it's all designed to build that emotional connection. This is where brands are built. It was with the emotional aspect of storytelling. You know, you look at, Amazon or if you're an e-com seller, you look at products and things that you buy and you price compare and all those kinds of things like you can give that information. But when you wrap it in a story, Nike with just do it or, you know, it's got to be the shoes back when Michael Jordan was (laughs) the face of the company and all these kinds of things. Those connections, those emotional connections that, that are built with the brand, are the reasons why Nike is still a household name. It's why Coca Cola beats Pepsi in sales, even though Pepsi beats Cola or Coca Cola in taste tests. You know, um, mm-hmm. the connection to the brand is the difference maker. If your course or your masterclass or uh, whatever it is, your product is a little bit more expensive than one of your competitors the story that you share it in and that you wrap it in will be that difference maker that gets them to choose you over the competition. The story and the frame, following this framework will help level the playing field between you and your favorite gurus, right? You see what they do. They do these same things, like watch any presentation um, Mm -hmm. from whoever your marketing heroes are or whatever gurus or entrepreneurs that you follow. You watch their presentations and the things that they do and you will see this framework. Um, at, at work. So I do it with every message that I put out. I even think about it. And, you know, I don't spend tons of time on it because I've been doing this my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I'm doing a 15, 30 or 60 second, like TikTok or an Instagram story, I think about these things first. And it helps me just be more clear on who, you know, who I serve, what I do to serve them, how I do want to sell it or get it into their uh lives and so um if you want to be able to know the who the what the how and have a great understanding this um this framework will help you get that
0: yeah that's great you know it's funny listening to you talk and i'm thinking back to uh, my earlier years in life um and we were talking about disney and i actually have a degree in computer animation. I wanted to be a computer animator because I just loved video games and movies uh, growing up too. And I didn't realize when I went into computer animation that the majority of the film is spent on the storyboarding. And if anyone out there is listening and doesn't know what a storyboard is, it's the sketch drawings that animators create and stick on a wall and look at before they even begin creating the film. And they'll spend... Days, weeks, and months perfecting that storyboard, perfecting the sketches and the flow and how it's going to how it's going to look and feel. So when they go to animate it, it it's already pretty much done, right? They just gotta uh, put the icing on the cake. It, it seems like the same thing. So many times we go out there and we just start publishing content with no end in mind. We don't know the beginning, middle, and end. We we haven't done some of these steps. And, uh, you know, like you're saying, if you just take the time to be a little more focused and intentional, um, it just seems like it's going to take you much further.
1: Absolutely. It definitely is And like, and even if you've had success with your stories, like this framework will just, again, like compress the time, you know, you run your stories through this little checklist really easily. If you can check off all nine of these or, you know, of these steps, then you're in good shape, and you you just go forward, and you just improve and get better at it, you know, by being intentional through the the framework and stuff. But you're totally right. Like, like Hollywood has made nearly a trillion dollars since 1970 just in ticket sales um, through the box office, and they even the even the bad flop movies still made a little money at the box office. But like, <laughs> they have. They follow these, these steps. And mm-hmm. when we do it for our business, like how many, like, I, I think there's a, a revolution is almost having or happening or, or a renaissance happening with how businesses are marketing themselves and emotional storytelling is one that is starting to gain, you know, gain some traction. Like the big, the big names have mm-hmm. been doing it and there's a reason why they're million multimillionaires and billionaires. But now for those of you who are on the starting end or trying to build up to being a seven or eight figure business and those kinds of things, this is the way to go about yeah. you know, selling more of your stuff to the right yeah, people.
0: We're definitely seeing a surgence of um, more personalities and brands now. Yeah. You know you've got you've got uh, Burger King on on Twitter like making funny jokes and you got you know it it seems like that it the marketing is going more toward that personal feel that personal relationship. Yeah. Uh, I had a question for you. This is kind of a um, more of a personal for me question because I've always wondered this. Um do you keep like uh, like a a journal or do you keep your stories Organized somewhere because I've thought about this myself. I've, I, you know, I reached out to you because of I was wondering about my own stories and how can I uh, speak better, be a better presenter, or tell better stories. And right. I started, I started writing down stories in what I could relate that to. So if I wanted to talk about email marketing, maybe I got a story that mm-hmm. relates to that somehow. Do you do that? Do you like uh, organize your stories or, or keep keep some kind of journal of them so you can refer to them later on?
1: Yeah, so I have you know I have a Google Doc that I you know copy and paste. If I do uh, a really good like Facebook post that gets a lot of engagement, that's just like you know copywriting basically. I'll copy and paste those and put those in. But like I I like to use Facebook Live as a, a testing place for a lot of my stories because you get immediate feedback. Right, you can see the analytics, you can see the comments and the likes and and all these kinds of things. Um, so I'll go and do those from. Um, I have like my, you know, Nick Fitzgerald entrepreneur page type of thing. So I can, if I publish there, I have a lot of data and analytics. So like I kind of do a little bit of both where I copy and paste and I keep, uh, you know, sales copy or email sequences and, and messages and things that I put out there. Um, and then I have the Facebook lives where I can go back and look, listen, how I told a story, make some adjustments and those kinds of things. But, um, you know, writing out, like even just when you think of your your entrepreneurial journey and just kind of bullet point it to start out of just saying okay here's here's what was here's the story of when right before i got started here's the thing that got me started here's the thing that i learned when i did this like and just bullet point it that way you can kind of see oh my gosh i've got you know i've got a lot of stories that i could work on um or i have told it's it's a it's a good thing to be able to keep track in like everyone's different like i'm i'm a if I can write it in a notebook, I internalize it a lot better. So right. I'll bullet point certain stories that I want to tell or work on, I'll write those out and then I'll go flesh them out you know, digitally from there and then refer back to them. But it's definitely a great idea to journal or catalog or whatever system works for you. If it's a spreadsheet with links to the Facebook lives or the stories that you told if you did it live or podcast interviews and that kind of stuff. Um, it's a it's a good way to be able to refer back, see which ones uh, see which ones you're telling often, because when you kind of identify those core stories for your business, and you put more focus into those, then everything benefits and grows um, as a result too.
0: Nice. Now, now, what do you say about um, the fear of telling the same story over and over again? Like, how often should sure. we? be telling a story or how often is too much? Or, you know, I think, I think a personal fear and probably a fear of a lot of people is like, well, you know, I just did a Facebook live last week on this story. When should I t- say it again? Or should I not say it again? Or how, how often is, is too often?
1: Right. Well, it, I, th- a lot of it depends on the audience, right? Like, so the stories that I've shared about starting my, starting my journey and stuff, I've shared those, hundreds if not thousands of times on podcast interviews and virtual summits and and all that kind of stuff you're gonna tell your story over and over and over and you'll you'll start to get sick of it a little bit you're, you'll get <laughs> to a point where like oh here i go again how can i change this up so it's more interesting to me but the thing to remember like even and even if you're doing it to your own audience um it's always good every single one of my facebook lives i give an intro and then i tell just a little bit about myself because i'm like you know I'm Nick Fitzgerald, and la, 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 I go through this kind of pre scripted mini story for anyone who just might be there for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get sick of your stories before anyone else does. But the thing that you can like, the benefit that comes from being uh, repetitious in the stories that you tell is they become automatic and you can also try little little tweaks and little changes in order to see what resonates with an audience and then you know you get them really dialed in and it's it's super powerful so i would say you know if you just went live yesterday and shared like your origin story of like why you started your business yeah going on today and doing the same thing is probably not a good idea so now you try and think okay Again, feel, think, and do. Yesterday, I wanted to introduce myself and why I got into business to in my audience. Okay, so I did that. Now, what new questions might there be? What new things uh, might be uh, might they be experiencing? Or maybe I can talk about how I have this course that I created. Let me tell the story of how I created this course because there might be some similarities or some of the same stories within. Uh, both of those, but it's just a different angle, right? And when you can explore your stories from different angles, um, and the same stories from different angles, you can find better ways to tell it. So I wouldn't shy away from, you know, being worried about, oh, they heard that story again. I have you know <laughs> thousands of people who have heard me tell, you know, parts of my story that I shared today um, and and that kind of stuff. And it will, Open up the door for them wanting to hear more, so you can go deeper into things when you might not have the time constraints or restraints upon you, there mm-hmm. um, you can f- focus on certain aspects. Like I told the story of how I started my business, and in that story, I talked about this. I want to talk about and exp- like explain more about this aspect of it, right? And so, um, it's just a good way for you to really flesh out because if you have an hour, ninety minutes, three hours, or you've got thirty minutes, fifteen minutes, thirty seconds, you can get good at telling the same story in mm. different ways, then you can maximize it and repurpose it in lots of different places.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I, one of my favorite um, motivational speakers, Zig Ziglar, Mm-hmm. said that one time he says i tell the same story and i can tell you the same story in five minutes 30 minutes an hour or two hours um he says it's the same story but you can depending on the time you can elaborate on it more and more and and it's cool because yeah. you know people people who know you and like you and heard your story they they typically don't care if they hear it again or maybe yeah. there's some changes that they didn't hear the first time you know so that's exactly.
1: cool well, and you mentioned um having heard russell brunson's stories a bunch of times right yeah how like think for for you in the audience listening like think of whoever it is that you follow whatever entrepreneurs or business mentors or things like that how well do you know their story yeah you didn't hear it just once you've heard it over and over and over right. a bunch of times and you still love it you relish it it's not like yeah. a, here we go again right uh, when you hear them going into it. It's the same for you. Now you just have to think, how many people do you that are in your world know your story or right. know your background? That should be the motivation a little bit, you know, for, yeah. for you telling your story is like, you want to become well-known to them um, where they right. know your story and they're telling their friends about it and they're going on other people's podcasts or stories and, and telling your stories a little bit, right? Um, when you can get to that point or when you get to that point is when you know that you are building a brand and something Mm -hmm. that will stand the test of time, um, as opposed to, I just found a really good
0: product and I'm selling it and it's doing really good right now. It's what will take you to the next level. Oh man, that's perfect. That's really awesome. So Nick, uh, just in the next couple of years, I know your business is, is taking off and doing really well. You've got your, um, consulting, the film stuff, you've got your masterclass that you're doing. Where, where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Like, have you found out what you want to be when you grow up yet? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> funny that,
1: that, that always is shifting and and changing, but it's becoming a lot, way more dialed in. And, uh, you know, my, my, superpower is in helping people identify and find those core stories that they should be telling like for e-commerce right you have the reason you started your business you have a story for each product that you sell and serve or you're put out there and and things like that so i i intend to be you know the go to when it comes to identifying and crafting the stories the core stories for your business And getting those so dialed in so that they can go out and serve the world immediately and get you uh, results uh, immediately. So whether that's through the done with you one-on-one type of stuff, or some people just don't have the time to donate it or delegate to it. So there's the done for you versions of it as well. So I just see like crafting the powerful stories, because once you have the stories identified, then you can do podcasts. Then you, you can use it as a podcast or in a video or a Facebook Live or or whatever. But if you don't have the message dialed in or even identified, how can you how can you feel good about investing thousands of dollars to hire a videographer or a production company to come in and create a video for you um, that m- might only work for you for a few months or maybe a year? Um, if you once you get dialed in and really identify those core stories. They'll work for you for years and years and years, all day, every day, never calling sick, on whatever platform that you you decide to publish on.
0: So that's that's where I see uh, where I'm going. Awesome, that's perfect, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on the podcast today and just giving us all this juicy information and talking to us about stories. I feel like a lot of people out there can take this information and start using it in their own business, I know I will. And if people want to work with you or they want to take your masterclass or find out more about what you have going on, where would the best place for them to go be?
1: Uh, it's for, if you want to get a free download of like this framework that we talked about, I have that available on friendlygiantfilms.com. You can download it immediately and and start. It's It goes in a little bit deeper than what we had time for today but you'll, you'll be able to refer back to it always. But like, if you want to go deeper into that framework, I have a storytelling framework masterclass. And so it's storytellingframeworks.com is where you can go and look at that. And it's it's designed, it's not one of those courses that's designed to overwhelm you. You course creators know, you know, some people tell you to, to, to build your course to overwhelm the audience so that they need more from you. Um, this one is designed to give you All of the tools when it comes to knowing what needs to go into your story, how to structure it, and how to go about telling it to get emotional responses. So those are the two places that you could go get started. And of course, I'm on social media, Nick Fitzgerald. You can follow along and uh, all that good stuff too. But that would be where I would send you if you wanted to get started with intentionally telling stories for your business.
0: And if you follow Nick on social media, you may or may not see him playing guitar. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. No well, cool, man. Thank you so much. We we appreciate you being here. Thank you for your time today. And yeah. I just uh, look forward to your continued success in the future. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great
1: to be here and I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us today, Nick. You can find out more about him and his business by visiting FriendlyGiantFilms.com. Or you can get the show notes of this episode along with links and resources by visiting OnlineCourseIgniter.com forward slash 16. See you next week for an all new episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Online Course Igniter podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so that you don't miss an episode. If you would like to learn more marketing strategies and how to sell your online course, then also check out our free community where we share tips, tricks, and tutorials at onlinecourseigniter.com forward slash community.